I need to get something straight before I begin. I don't have COVID, but when you get old, you do things. You do things sometimes embarrassing. And I, I ate breakfast in a in a real big hurry, and I swallowed something. I can't remember what, but it liked to kill me. <clears throat> and I immediately got hoarse. I know all of you have been. Uh, I hope you've eaten enough since Christmas, and uh, our waistline has grown. I, I feel like the little boy. He went with his daddy, uh, who preached a, a week revival, and the little boy and his mother were there the entire week. And of course, those Baptist people, we always take them out to eat or eat at home. And one night, about middle ways, the uh, revival, they asked the little boy if he'd bless the food. And the little boy bowed his head and he said, Dear Lord, we thank you for this chicken. We've had it young, we've had it old, we've had it hot, and we've had it cold. We've had it tender and we've had it tough, but good Lord, haven't we had it enough? <laughs> so I'm glad to, uh, to, be, to uh, fill in for Jamie this morning. I think the reason he asked me to come, I've missed so many Sundays till I, I thought I had to get a ticket to get in this church. If you turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, and uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the cows and goats with water, scarlet wood, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission or forgiveness. Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into, the he but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgments. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin for salvation. A good many years ago, in one of our northern cities, there was a house fire. It was an apartment house building. And inside this apartment was one family that there were the mother and the father and three children, the oldest of the children, 15 years old. The father had been very careful to get his family out of the out of their room and out into the hall and, and got them in a line. It was so smoky you could hardly see and he had raised the window and found the, the uh, 
fire escape. And he told, he told the entire family, he said, now I'm going to take your mother and the little baby down first, and I'm going to come back and get each one of you. Just wait right here in this line until I get to you. Well, he got his, the mother and the little baby down. He came back and got the other two children. And when he returned, he looked and he couldn't find his 15-year-old 15 15 daughter. And he wondered what in the world could have happened because uh, he'd just seen her a few moments ago. And so frantically he searched that building looking for that 15-year-old girl until his hands were, were burned and gnawed. He um, just received some terrible burns. And when the fire had been put out and the authorities had investigated the fire, they found the 15-year-old girl and a man on the other side of the building. And their investigation revealed, they thought, they came to the conclusion that the 15-year-old girl had followed another man who thought that he had found a way to fire escape on the other side of the building. When you think about that, that's a sad situation. A father looking for a daughter becomes critically burned and the daughter's dead. Did you know, I know you know, we as Christians know, there are all kinds of voices out here in the world trying to get our attention. And there are more voices than just God's. There are voices, and they, they call out to us. And, and I figured when you get almost 80 years old, maybe the devil, the devil would leave you alone, but he, he gets a little stronger with you. But those voices are... are attempting to get our attention and not all of those voices come from God. Not all of those voices are the Holy Spirit speaking to people. Those voices are calling out, come, come. See what I have to offer for your happiness. Come this way. You're having trouble. You're having trouble in your family. Come. I can show you an easy solution. There are all kinds of voices that attract our attention, but there is only one voice that we should listen to. And that's the voice of the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. The voice that we need to listen to said, to come to my Father. The only way you can come to my Father is to come to me. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. And no man can come to my Father except he come through me. It's amazing what a loving God that we have. It, it is awe-inspiring that we have such a merciful God. One who loves us beyond anything that any human being can imagine. He is a God of love, but he is also a God of judgment. And either our sins are paid for substitutionary, or we pay for them ourselves. Now, if we had been meeting this morning, back in the days when 
when Christ was living. We could have gone to the temple or to the synagogue and, you know, it was a little segregated in there. The, uh, the, the Jews could go further up than, than any of the rest. The Gentiles were put in the outer courts. It's amazing to me how God came up with his plan for salvation. He did not ask any of us to have any input into the way that he chose for men, women, boys, and girls to be saved. He chose to do the unthinkable. He chose to do what none of us men here this morning would do. Would you take your son and put him on a cross for people that would hate him and despise him and spit on him and cut him and kill him? No, I, don't, I wouldn't put Michael on a cross. And yet, that's exactly what God did. All the other gods want their people or their worshipers to sacrifice to them. And God sacrificed for us by giving the most precious thing that he had, his son, his only begotten son, his only one-of-a-kind son who died in order that we might live. Inside the temple of the synagogue, there, there were some different rooms, but there were two that, that we need to always remember. There was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, only one person was allowed to go there, and that was the high priest. And he had specific orders from God of what to do. And if he varied from those instructions, the scriptures tell us that God would kill him. So when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and he did that once a year to make an offering for his sins and the sins of the people. And when he went in there, <clears throat> excuse me, on his robe, they had little bells tied to the bottom of his robe or sewn to them. And so as long as the people heard those bells ringing while the high priest was in in the Holy of Holies, they knew that everything was all right. They knew that God was going to accept the priest's substitutionary offering for their sins. But if those bells were to stop ringing, they would feel hopeless. They, they, they would know that that year God did not hear because the priest had died because he disobeyed God as he ordered, as he offered sacrifices. You see, I have, I've talked with people and they tell me that I don't want to hear anything about that blood. That's, that's ooey, ooey, gooey. I just, what good is blood? And yet the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. In the Old Testament times, the priest offered up a sacrifice for the people. It was for their sin. And one writer says a, a good estimation of the number of animals that were butchered and offered up for sacrifices during uh, the Day of Atonement could have been about 500,000. They say that the blood Kidron ran crimson red from all of the blood that came from where the high priest 
and offered up all those sacrifices. And yet, the people, the people who had this uh, sacrifice offered up for, for them, it didn't change any of them. It didn't do anything to their heart. But God had promised a better covenant. God had made a will to the people and there has to be death before a will can be enforced. God sent His Son to die in our place. Those animals that were offered up, God accepted that substitutionary offering. He's accepted it to forgive the people of their sins that year. But it had to be done year after year after year. It was a continual thing. And inside the temple, there were no chairs for the priest to sit down in like you have for your preacher. Because he didn't have time to sit down. He was busy offering up sacrifices for the people. And yet, when Jesus came into the world, the scriptures tell us that his sacrifice, God was satisfied with Jesus. God was satisfied with his son and he accepted his death, his blood. And that's, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And you can't die unless the blood stops or unless we're cut, blood stops. And that's what the scriptures, there has to be death. We pay for our sins, or Jesus Christ pays for them through his substitutionary death on the cross. It's a glorious thought to know that we have a God that loves us to the point that he would send his only son to die in our place. That's an awesome thought. You know, Sometimes, I, I, I read just the other day, a Presbyterian preacher was talking about how often we, we just assume God's grace. And we don't think about the seriousness of it or what it took for our salvation. He said, I lay my head on my pillow some nights and I, I just tell him the things that I know that I did that day that I should not have done. He said, and I tell him because I know he already knows. He said, but then there are times when I think about what Jesus really did for me and for the world, for my sins. For men are hopeless and helpless. God did not ask any man to help him with the plan of salvation. And there's no other God that that offered up their son for our salvation. And there's no other God that we can pray to. You can pray to Allah, but he can't hear you. You can pray to all of those gods, those foreign gods that the scriptures say we are not to worship any other God except Jehovah God. But those gods cannot hear they can't, move a, they can't move a finger, an arm, or a hand. They can't open a mouth. They can't open their eyes. They 
can't see anything, cannot hear anything. And yet the creator of all we see, the creator who has not only created the world, but he put the world in motion and it is still in motion. He has taken care of all of those things. We have a God that loves beyond any human understanding. Dr. R.G. Lee said that when Jesus died on the cross, he became all that God must judge so that we through faith in him might become all that God cannot judge. Had we been in charge of, of the salvation process, we may have inserted ourselves into it. It may not have just been for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, but it may have had some other things inserted. But we, may not have, we may not have liked someone and we may say, well, I, you know, I don't care whether you go to heaven or not. You're my, you're my enemy. We may have inserted in there, you've got to have so much education or, or, or you can't go. We might have inserted in there, you, you've got to belong to a, a particular group of people and have a particular standing in society, in society or you can't go. And Lord Jesus said, everyone, who will, let him come. His salvation has and always will be available to everyone. It is at no cost, but yet it is costly. We, we have read many, many times as we read the scripture in the account of the crucifixion. But you know, we read what they did to him physically, and that, my friends, was bad enough. But did you know that when our Savior died for us on the cross, the most enduring pain, the most enduring hell that he endured on the cross was his battle with the powers out yonder, the powers that you and I cannot see. I got a note from a, he's not young anymore, but both of us were young then. He was a member of Latter Baptist Church, and I was attending North Greenville College, and I spoke at Latter Baptist one Sunday night, and just not very long ago, he texted me, and he said, I have never forgotten what you said that Sunday night, and I wondered what in the world did I say? I hope it wasn't anything wrong. And he said, you said, God forsaken by God. Who can understand that? And I still say that today. God forsaken by God. On the cross. Dying for the sins of men. A son who really needed his father. Wouldn't you say? And yet when he became sin because God is holy and just and righteous and pure. He could not look upon sin. He turned his own head away from his son. Would you do that? The price of salvation is high. It cost God the most precious thing that he had. 
The songwriter said, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And friend, that's the way it is, and that's the way it has always been. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Aren't you thankful today that we serve such a loving Savior, such a loving God? Did you know when we get saved, we, 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 we can come to God. We don't have to go to a priest. You don't, you, don't have, you don't even have to come and say, Preacher, here, help me, help me get to God. I want to get saved. The Bible says that when we receive Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross into our lives, that He makes access to the Father possible for every one of us. We're able to enter directly into the presence of a holy, living God. Is that not an awesome thought? The God who created everything invites us into his very presence. He wants us to come and share with him all of our problems. He wants us to share with him the joys that that come into our lives. He wants to hear about it all because he's concerned. You know, there's some real good earthly fathers. I mean some real good ones. But there's never been one like our Heavenly Father. He knows exactly what we need. And friends, we live in dark times. And Jesus said of his followers, you, he first of all said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus always made strange statements. He turned right around and he said, you are the light of the world. And wherever we as Christians go, people see the results of the blood that was shed at a place called Calvary. For men, women, and children who no one, none of us, have ever or will ever be able to say, I deserve for God to send his son to die for me, to take my place. He hung on the tree where I ought to have been. And I deserve hell. But he is a loving father. You know, God indeed is a God of love, but he also is a God of judgment. And the penalty of sin, the Bible says, is death. There is a penalty, and so there has to be a payment. And so then, God lovingly, mercifully, gracefully gave us his son to die on the cross to provide a way for salvation. And I like this about God. He doesn't force us to be a Christian. He doesn't force us to love his son nor to love him. It's absolutely voluntarily. 
But he loves us so much that Jesus himself said of his Father, It is not my Father's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a Savior. What a Savior. I tell this little story I'm about to tell. I tell it, I think, at every funeral that I help conduct. Fanny Crosby, <clears throat> and I was always telling folks during at the end, as I introduced that story, I said Fanny Crosby wrote about 2,000 hymns. And I read just a month or so ago, I had to correct myself, she wrote over 8,000 hymns. Fanny Crosby, two weeks after she was born, her caregiver put the wrong drops in her eyes and she became blinded, not able to see. One day, that great old grand Methodist evangelist, Dr. D.L. Moody, he went to visit Fanny Crosby, and he said to her, Fanny, I am going to pray that God will give you back your sight. And Fanny Crosby replied, Oh, Dr. Moody, please don't do that. Please don't pray that God will give me my sight. I know that I've never seen a beautiful sunset or a beautiful rose. I've never seen anything. But I do know this, when I die, the very first face that I will ever see will be the face of my Savior. Some years later in her life, after, uh, in fact, it has been the event that caused her to write this song was her caregiver who stayed with her, read to her about a man in Chicago who was proclaiming himself to be the Savior. Fanny Crosby had it read to her that the Salvation Army was going to march the same day that this false prophet was going to march. And so she went there, and on the day that they had planned to march, the false Messiah and those who followed him came down one side of the street, and Fanny Crosby and the Salvation Army came down the other side of the street. And the song that she wrote was this, and this is what they sang as they approached that false Christ. When my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side. And his smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know him, I shall know him, I shall know him by the prints of the nails in his hands. They said when the Salvation Army got about even with where that false Jesus was marching, a man in the back of the crowd that was following that false Messiah came running up to him and he said, you're a fake, you're a fake. And that man said, what do you mean I'm a fake? He said, hold up your hands. And he held up his hands and he said, you have no nail prints in your hands. Thank God. Thank God. For a God who loved us so much that he gave us his very own son. Billy Graham tells this story. 
of a time during the Korean War when he went there on Christmas Eve and he visited the, the hospitals where our soldiers lay wounded. As he was visiting, one of the, one of the surgeons came up to Dr. Graham and said, this soldier over here was shot in the spine and a part of his spine is missing. He said, Billy Graham, that young man will never ever walk again. The young man was lying on his, on his face because of his condition. And when Billy Graham got to his bed, that young man said, Mr. Graham, I want to see your face. The Bible declares that those that have received the Lord Jesus Christ into their hearts, those who have repented of their sin and made him the Savior of their life, that one day we will look into the face of our Savior. Billy Graham lay on his back and crawled under that bed so that young man could look into his face. He had heard about Billy Graham. He had heard him on television. And he wanted to just look at his face. Oh, my friend, how much more will it be to look into the face of our Savior, the one who loved us more than anyone in all of the world has ever or will ever love us. For God... So love the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a Savior. What a salvation. What a promise. What a hope. You know, our world today, when you talk to people, they don't see much hope. Things are dreary. Things are, um, I, I talked with a fellow the other day, he, he, he worked for me up until this year, and he got his license and he moved to a, a big funeral home down at Myrtle Beach. But when he was here, we had COVID at the same time, caught it at the same funeral. He's been fully vaccinated and he's got it again. And lots of people are almost scared to go out of their house because of this thing. But I'm going to tell you, as dull and as dismal as the world seems today, there still is a Savior. He's still on the throne. There still is a God, and He owns it all. He still loves us. He still loves us. It's his desire, Jesus said, that none of us should die without knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We're going to have an invitation this morning. And I'm glad that Baptists do. And I'm going to tell you why. One of our great evangelists who preached in revival one night did not offer an invitation. 
And in that building, there was a young man who left that place and was killed before he got home. And that evangelist said, I have never ever conducted another service that I did not offer an invitation. I, I don't know <clears throat> the condition of your heart, and you don't know the condition of my heart. But I do know this. If I know anything in all of the world, I do know this. For God so loved. For God so loved me. I don't know why. But he does. JB's going to be down front. If you've never received the Lord Jesus as your own Savior, that's our invitation to you this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Brother, to every question.